This is Cultivating Convos with the Ohio Department of Agriculture. And it's fun to have everyone else kind of get a little insight into what we do. Farmland forever. Actually, that was the next question I was going to ask you. Shelby, <laughs> let's wrap <laughs> this thing up. <laughs> Welcome once again to Cultivating Convos with the Ohio Department of Agriculture. I am Shelby Croft, one of your hosts. Uh, our other host, Megan Harshberger, is off this week, so we have the pleasure of having Katie Boyer, who's our producer with us today. Hi, thanks for having me again. I've gotten in twice this month. I'm so lucky. We, we like your cameos, Katie. They're really, really good. Uh, so today we are talking about water quality, really, really important topic uh, in our state. Obviously, we are part of Governor DeWine's H2 Ohio initiative um, in helping farmers implement best management practices on their farmland. But there's a whole lot of other aspects when it comes to water quality. So we are very happy to have with us uh, two members, two people from the Ohio Farm Bureau who are um, good friends with us, who we collaborate often with, uh, Ty Higgins, who is the Senior Director of Communications, and Jordan Haywisher, the Director of Water Quality and Research. Welcome, both of you. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. We have a lot to talk about with water quality, obviously, but let's start with the fun stuff. I hear you guys are busting some myths this month. Um, what myths are you busting specifically this week, actually, right? Yeah, so this is all an effort to uh, really get some some truth out there. Uh, we have a big week in in Ohio agriculture for water quality next week. We get the algal bloom forecast from NOAA uh, that talks about how severe the bloom might be in the western uh, basin of Lake Erie in in 2021. And so, with that, no matter how high or low that number is, agriculture uh, gets thrown underneath the bus for for what people say we aren't doing for water quality and nutrient management. And so, what we're doing this week to get ahead of all, all those myths is, is to really talk about what agriculture is actually doing and, and, and ways that we're protecting water, ways that we're getting more and better uh, best management practices out to farmers, not just in, in Northwest Ohio, but all across the state to protect uh, our, our state's most valuable resource, and that's water. And so the myths that, that we're trying to bust this week uh, range from livestock farms, not being regulated at all in Ohio. And that's just simply not true because as you know, at the Ohio Department of Agriculture, we have one of the most comprehensive regulatory systems in the nation here in Ohio. And it all starts with the mandate that no Ohio farm can pollute the waters of the state and, and there's penalties if pollution occurs. Another myth is that all Ohio pollution prevention programs are voluntary. And uh, that's one of the most often repeated falsehoods. Uh, you know, trends show farmers are, are willingly stepping up their games with new ways to effectively protect water are identified. Uh, H2 Ohio, which I hope we get into a little bit later on in the conversation, is certainly a voluntary program that uh, we have seen work tremendously here uh, in the onset of that program from Governor DeWine. Uh, and voluntary efforts by farmers, they're on top of, not instead of, uh, those regulations we talked about across the state. Uh, other myths talk about how government money is being wasted and, and how billions of dollars are being uh, spent to improve Lake Erie. And and there's been no positive results. And that's just all false. You know, they, they cite $3 billion, uh, a lot of these agriculture critics uh, being spent in Ohio. Less than 1% of that $3 billion went to help farmers stop nutrient runoff. Um, another myth is there are too many livestock farms. Their manure is ruining Lake Erie. Uh, and, and this is a lot of anti-agriculture organizations talking about 
uh, a report that claims the runaway livestock expansion in Northwest Ohio uh, is happening year in and year out. Um, you know, manure, when managed properly as farmers do, it improves the soil, and that is a benefit to water quality as a whole. And it's actually part of the solution to water quality challenges. And and you know, manure, it, it's a complicated issue. There's no doubt about it. That's why Jordan's here. Uh, Jordan is the scientist. Uh, he'll be able to dig in a little bit more uh, about. Uh, you know, how manure is used and, and uh, exactly what farmers are doing uh, in those regards. And finally, uh, a major myth that I hear in particular every year is that this is, it's all Farm Bureau's fault. Uh, the activists say uh, that, uh, you know, we're a powerful farm lobby and, and they claim we're mouthpieces uh, for, for big agriculture. And you know what? Uh, our organization is made up of Ohio's hardworking farm families and and those that truly believe that agriculture is Ohio's most important industry. And because of our members, uh, almost 70,000 strong, we are powerful. And on key policy matters, uh, Farm Bureau members look at the problems and they come up with solutions. We talk with stakeholders. And when all the facts are together, uh, we engage with public officials to help them understand the issues and, and come up with workable solutions. And that's called democracy. And as much as that angers editorial boards and ag critics, uh, we're pretty darn good at it here in Farm Bureau. All right. That was a lot of information there, Ty. Thank you. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's, there's a lot of myths out there. And so we, <laughs> you, you can't you can't leave a stone unturned, ladies. And, no. and so uh, that's what this week is all about. So we have five days of the week, five myths to bust. And, and we're doing that on our social media channels. And, and uh, of course, we're working with Jordan a little bit later on this week to bust some myths uh, with our media friends throughout Ohio and throughout the Midwest as well. That's great. And and actually, I mean, you brought up one I would like Jordan to weigh in on, uh, and that is manure. Uh, and, and Jordan, I know that you are the scientist here and the expert, and I, I, I would love to hear how you are busting uh, those myths. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I think first off, it's about people who split out the nutrients. You know, they'd like to pit uh, manure regulations or, or, you know, ways they're applied uh, against how fertilizer is used. And really, uh, farmers want to keep all nutrients, you know, on the field and use them to uh, the best and most efficient ability. And so uh, a lot of times those get pitted against each other because of uh, some misinformation that keeps getting repeated. Uh, one in particular is that um, they like to compare the amount of phosphorus that's in the soil test uh, that is pulled from the, 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 the field versus the uh, allowable rate of manure that's applied to the field. And so with, uh, with fertilizer, there's an economic threshold of, uh, of 40 parts per million that, that really is the tipping point to when it's not, a, not gonna be any more economically efficient for the farmer to, buy, to apply fertilizer. And they compared that to the uh, environmental threshold, which is 150 parts per million of, uh, of any nutrient, especially manure uh, in this case, uh, where you'll start to see some of those nutrients maybe come off the field. And so that's where you, you might hear like, uh, you know, manure can be applied three to four times as much as, uh, as fertilizer, but really all they're, they're doing is uh, kind of mistaking or switching the, the kind of the plane of comparison here and, and, and comparing soil test levels that are currently in the field versus the topical uh, application rate of whatever nutrients that they're trying to apply. So that's really the biggest one. And again, like Ty said, uh, manure is used as a weapon for good. Uh, it, it, you know, increases your organic matter in the, in the soil. Uh, it uh, provides nutrients in other times of the year that uh, you would normally get with, with fertilizer. Uh, but, but also uh, it just kind of uh, makes that whole uh, profile thrive in ways that other nutrients can't. You know, obviously soil health is a big uh, push that you'll see. And soil health is a little murky, you know, it's kind of like a, 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 
you know, a mixture of a bunch of different factors, but uh, manure actually feeds a lot of those different factors, you know, organic matter, uh, higher, uh, you know, uh, CEC and a lot higher uh, ability to hold nutrients, hold water, uh, you know, feeds microbes. It does all sorts of stuff when, when, you know, applied properly. And so it's just one of those things that's just not as big of a boogeyman as what some people would let, let it out to be mainly probably because, you know, it smells at times, you know, uh, or uh, it's a signifier for animal production that maybe people aren't as comfortable with as well. Well, exactly. And it's a stinky but necessary business, right? So the yeah. one thing I know, you know, you're not just throwing these numbers out. We, you know, we do all this work and there's a lot of science behind this. And I know, you know, can you talk a little bit, a little bit about the testing being done at some demo farms that have to do with this? Yeah, so uh, the Farm Bureau is involved. We're in year uh, of six of 10 of uh, a demonstration farms project in Northwest Ohio, along with USDA and RCS. And part of that project is doing this edge of field monitoring to determine you know, how much nutrients are coming off of, of fields w under different conservation practices or different farming practices. And so those are the numbers that are really telling us where that environmental threshold is. You know, we have data to back up. Okay, once it hits 150 parts per million, uh, you're going to see a little bit of uh, something come out the field potentially, and so that's that's the type of information that we're we're moving with, and that, and that we're using the best that's out there. Uh, and those are uh, just two of the like 20 sites that are around the state. And then we're also working on the demo farm to do different manure application techniques. Uh, so it's not just uh, you know surface applied uh, and keep it moving. You know we're doing uh, injecting fertilizer or manure, which has happened for a long time. But we're now we're trying to do it uh, with BRT. So we're doing it with uh, its ability to read the soil sample and apply more or less depending on what the soil needs. We're doing uh, injecting into uh, standing corn, which is really cool, uh, where you're allowed you're, you're having the ability to apply it to to growing crop, which is uh, you know very rare. And then also uh, you know just making sure that uh, we're getting it into the ground as much as possible and getting it uh, covered up with soil and, and it dries quickly and doing all these things that allow us to uh, make these applications and, uh, you know, not see that it's so evident that there was an application. You know, back in the day, you know, we're still fighting, uh, you know, soil test levels closer to the barns than normal because our, uh, our uh, previous generations only had the, uh, the, the horsepower or the, the time to get the manure so far out. And now it's about testing that soil, seeing where there's uh, nutrients that are uh, needed to grow the next crop getting that manure pushed out further and further, and then drawing down those areas that uh, maybe had seen too much manure uh, back, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80 years ago. Yeah, there, there's so much good work, I know, being done at the demonstration farms. And, you know, it, it goes hand in hand with what H2 Ohio is all about. And, you know, the scientific based best practices that uh, help reduce phosphorus in our water, uh, you know, H2 Ohio, I'll just briefly state is, our program where we, uh, the state incentivizes farmers uh, to implement these uh, best practices. And Ty, you mentioned it earlier. We had a phenomenal interest in this program, an absolute phenomenal interest. We had no idea how many farmers would come out, but voluntarily they we have just had an abundance sign up for this and they, they want to be part of the solution. We have definitely seen that. Um, let's talk about, uh, Ty, talk about other endeavors uh, being done out there? What what else is being done towards this effort? Well, one thing that has really, uh, from day one, been remarkable to me is, is the formation of something called the Ohio Agriculture Conservation Initiative. 
And I was in the room the very first day that people from the agriculture world, so we're talking corn and wheat, soybean, pork, beef, dairy, uh, were in the same room with people that you would never see at the same table uh, three or four years ago, talking about the Ohio Environmental Council. And now we have uh, partners with the Nature Conservancy, uh, Ohio State, Heidelberg. Uh, so the academia aspect is there. Uh, the conservation groups around Ohio all got together in, in a township hall for a two-day retreat. And I was part of that. And we had some really, really tough conversations with each other about how we were going in two separate directions with what we wanted to accomplish. We all wanted to accomplish the same thing. We all wanted to accomplish clean water and healthy soil. But the way we were going about it, uh, we were not going to accomplish it uh, as two individual directions. And so we decided to come together and form OACI, uh, Ohio Agriculture Conservation Initiative, and, and really put our ideas together. We, we have now a, a great relationship with uh, OEC, the Ohio Environmental Council, the Nature Conservancy. We have uh, all the data from Ohio State and Heidelberg, uh, Farm Bureau and all the ag groups. Uh, and we're putting our ideas in the same pot. And we're getting uh, where we need to go a whole lot faster than if we were playing tug of war with our ideas and, and our initiatives. Uh, and that's been really, really exciting to see that relationship grow. And now I'm, I'm a part, actually, I'm co-chair of, of the communications uh, committee for OACI. And, and we're starting now to, uh, as we build that organization, starting to, to now collaborate with you, Shelby, and, and, and Ohio Department of Agriculture and H2 Ohio. And we're going to yes. be working together with, mm -hmm. with our messages moving forward. And, and, you know, to see it come from, from that two-day retreat where everybody works together. And now we're to a point where H2 Ohio and OACI are, are really working together uh, in order to get farmers into the program. Uh, it's just remarkable. And, and it shows that if we all put our heads together and we all have a common goal in mind, uh, we're going to get there a whole lot quicker if we work together. That's, that's the truth. We we definitely value our relationship with OACI and uh, appreciate the support from all those organizations uh, regarding H2 Ohio. And it's just so great for all of us to come together to realize that, you know, we all do have a goal to meet and we are all headed in the same direction and, and to do that together. So we definitely value it. You know, and this is these collaborations have been wonderful. And Jordan, can you expand a little bit on the programming um, with OACI? Yeah, I think the the two biggest projects that we have going on is is one is a farmer certification program. Uh, so it is what the kind of the title says it is. It's uh, it's a way for us to uh, recognize farmers who have been doing some of these conservation practices that are great. Uh, been doing those for for a long time. And then there's, uh, there's ones that we hope are trying to move up the conservation ladder. So we want to identify what they're doing and then where are areas of improvement that we can help them kind of, you know, keep improving on their farm. So uh, that's one project. And that project is, is tied in with H2 Ohio uh, to where uh, there, there are certain stipulations of having to be involved in the certification program and then being involved with H2 Ohio. So that's, that's a really big connection for, for both programs. The second one is really going to be uh, the backbone for a lot of research and a lot of work. Uh, coming up, and it's our farm field assessment. So it's, uh, you know, 450 fields were surveyed uh, in the lower Maumee, and those results are going to be the baseline of, of adoption rates for a number of different conservation practices. So we'll be able to tell, uh, you know, what's the adoption rate of cover crops, what's the adoption rates of certain types of tillage, you know, and then split them out on how, how big were the farms in each section and all these things. And so really have a good data set 
for university modelers, for, for ODA to, to, to determine oh, the H2 Ohio's progress and for, for Farm Bureau to go out and, and, and lobby on behalf of our farming efforts and, and really dive into uh, what are farmers doing and then come back to that area over, the, over a few years and see what the change has been. And then we're also going then to expand that assessment to other watersheds next year and each year. And we have this schedule that we're going to keep uh, assessing where everything's at and really monitor improvement. Because uh, there is some you know, money going into the, to different counties and different watersheds. And we want to make sure that we can help guide a light uh, to where that money could potentially go in the future and really hold up uh, you know, strengths and, and weaknesses. You know, we're not afraid to, to, to point out where there could be some improvement, but really have actual data where we talked to the farmers and they told us what they're doing on that farm field. So we're really excited about both of those programs. Thanks for explaining all that. I think I think it's important that people understand uh, the work of OACI. We appreciate it, Jordan. Uh, we are about out of time. Any closing thoughts, anything else uh, you two want to discuss? Well, we appreciate the opportunity. And, and uh, you know, one thing I will point out is that uh, Jordan and I worked on a piece. Uh, we're halfway through the Western Lake Erie Collaborative Agreement between Michigan, Ontario, Canada, and Ohio. And the goal was a 40% reduction in nutrient load to Lake Erie by 2025. So we're halfway through that agreement. Where are we? Are we making progress? And, and you can find out what we found out through uh, some data and science uh, on our website at ohiofarmbureau.org. And of course, that's where you can find uh, other information about what we're doing uh, across Ohio. That's a great tease. I love it. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you, Ty. Well, thank you so much, Ty and Jordan, for being with us this week. We really appreciate it talking about water quality. And thank all of you out there for listening in. And we will see you back here next week on Cultivating Convos. Cultivating Convos is created by ODA's communications team. Make sure to hit subscribe to get the latest episodes in your feed and like ODA on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for up-to-date news about agriculture in Ohio.